0: Hey guys, it's Heaven from Just a Grown True Crime, and today I'm going to be telling you about this app called Anchor. It helped me start my podcast, and it can help you start yours. Anchor is a free app that lets you use it from your phone or your computer, so if you want to do it on the go, and you want to just record, you can record one. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more to get your own podcast out there you can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership so it's everything you want in just one podcast download the free anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started i did what are you waiting for hey guys welcome back to just a true just a girl true crime i'm your host heaven and tonight we're going to be talking about a story called the watcher house it's definitely a strange one if you ask me and i kept my promise i uploaded friday it's only 11 pm at night and i'm getting it out for you so i can stay on top of it so i thought this was going to be like a mini episode type thing but I have like five pages of research that I found on this case. So it might be a little bit longer. Um, so let's let's start because it's a lot to unpack. Um, this case gives me the chills, the heaps. And it probably will give you guys creepy vibes as well. So a man named William H. Davies who later became Westfield's mayor, had bought the house for a buck in 1913. Um, Buying a house for a dollar in that time is just bonkers to me. I've never heard such a thing. But yes, the watcher named such for his slash its penchant for watching the home and its inhabitants and stated in one of the anonymous missives that he's been spying on the house since 1920. You know, normal. Could the watcher be tied to Davies? Did the watcher watch Davies? Who really knows? Davies moved out in 1947, but not before the house was struck by lightning in 1932, which caused, which caused some structural damage to the roof. He ended up selling the house to his son and his daughter-in-law for the same amount one dollar selling a spacious home to one son for one dollar is a thing but the pair eventually sold it to diller and mary bird in 1951 for another dollar so these people are just selling this house for a dollar you get it for a dollar you get it for a dollar. You know, this meme, I was writing this down and this is what a meme popped in my mind. Did you ever see that meme where, um, with Oprah and she's like, you get a dildo, you get a dildo, everybody gets a dildo. That's what I thought of. Don't know why that meme is the funniest meme I've ever heard of, but give me one second. Okay, I wanted to pause my show, but I think my youngest unplugged my thing to charge it, so yeah, that happened. All right, it's all right, I'll do it after. So, like I said, they sold it to the birds in 1951. In keeping with this decidedly bizarre tradition, the birds turned it over (laughs) for another dollar to the Bakesies in 1953. In 1955, they handed it off to the Schaefer for, can anybody guess? Yep, you guessed it. A dollar. One dollar is roughly the equivalent to $8.79 today. The home remained in the hands of the Schaeffers until the 1990s. So, whoo, I wasn't even born yet. I wasn't born for another six years. And then it was eventually bought by the Woods. The Woods were the the owners who sold it to the Brodus family for a cool $1.3 million. And they are now facing a lawsuit for failing to disclose That the place was being surveilled by a psychopath slash murder ghost. And I'm going to come back to that at the end. And then I said, what the hell? (laughs) Is the Watcher a relative of of Davies? Was this whole thing a ploy from a jealous neighbor? Who wants the place for cheaper? Like say a dollar? Or is this place doomed? so derek and maria brodus couldn't have been more excited to move into their dream house at 1657 boulevard in the well-to-do town of westfield new jersey but as soon as the couple was preparing to settle into their 1.3 million dollar house with their three children they received this disturbing note in the mail signed only the watcher. The letter had no return address, but whoever wrote it seemed to have been watching the Brodus family very carefully. I see that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. The letter continued, "Tisk, tisk Tisk. Bad move. See, when I feel like someone says, like, tisk, 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 like, I feel like you're just like, tsk, 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 tsk. you shouldn't be doing that. Or like you're scolding somebody, I guess. Like, tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad, bad. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. And then I said, what the heck, guys? Even more disturbing, the watcher noted that the note. The watcher noted that the three children. And asked if there was more on the way, and then said, "Do you need to fill the house with young blood?" I requested. Ew, creep vibes. Okay. And then they said, "Better for me now." See. We're we're not gonna get there. Um, I also read that I didn't write this down, but I just read it, cause I got it from I got this stuff from two sites. Um. The watcher asked if the house that they lived in previously, before they moved here, um, if it was getting too small and they like needed to upgrade or whatever. So yeah, that's creepy. So, a little backstory about the Brodus family before, we, um, before they, we go into that they bought the house in 2014. The Broduses were an average suburban family. Maria Brodus had grown up in New Jersey just blocks away from the house at 657 Boulevard, which I found a little weird, located 45 minutes from New York City. The town of Westfield is a sleepy suburb where the biggest gossip before the watcher came on the scene was the collapse of a local Trader Joe's roof, according to the cut where I got a lot of this stuff from. Residents viewed Westfield as a real-life Mayberry, the fictional small town that served as a backdrop to the Andy Griffith show. The website Neighborhood Scout listed it as one of the top 30 safest communities in America in 2014. And as of 2019, it had a median house income of $159,923. But the affluent suburb has been the scene of other horrors in the past. In 1970... A man named John List infamously murdered his wife and three children in their Westfield home but that horrifying crime had since become became a distant memory and most people in Westfield felt secure in their community which I wouldn't but hey Derek on the other hand had grown up in Maine in a working class family. But from his humble beginnings, he had worked his way up to a position as a senior vice president at a Manhattan insurance company. So, good job guys. It seemed like Marie and Derek were definitely doing pretty well. In June... 2014, after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday, the couple closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard and began making renovations to move in with their 5-, 8-, and 10-year-old children. Then the watcher's letters started. The first letter arrived at the watcher... I'm sorry. The first letter arrived at the watcher house on a june evening Derek had been painting a few walls at his family's new home and after after he finished up he decided to go check the mail and he discovered a white card sized envelope addressed in thick handwriting to the new owner the typed letter started off with a with warm words of welcome, but soon devolved into bizarre and threatening passages that described how the author had watched the house for decades. I think they watched it for... They just watched for decades. I don't remember actually how much. They claimed that their father watched it... Oh man, I read this. I think it was like 1920s or whatever. And then their grandfather watched it, I think, in the 1960s. And now it was this person's turn to watch the house. And the house was actually built in 1905. And then they said, do you know the history of the house the watcher wrote? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. And then I said, I'm sorry, but if I ever got notes like this when I buy my first home, I'm moving out. I don't care if I just bought it. I'm running away so fast. Y'all ain't gonna ever find me. That's a hard nope. The letter also said, I asked the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they listened, referring to the previous owners. The letter asked the children's names, saying, once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Yeah, no, 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 no. You do not need to know my children's names. You do not, you don't need to know anything about me, just... Go go do something. Unsettled, unsettled by this, Derek decided to call the police call the Westfield police, who recommended moving any construction equipment outside the house in just in case the watcher became emboldened enough to throw it through one of the windows. Police also advised the Brodus' Not to say anything to the other neighbors yet, as they were all suspects because they didn't know who this person was. The Broduses next contacted the Woods family, who had sold them the house, and Andrea Woods confirmed that they did get an odd note signed by the watcher, but said she had dismissed it as it was harmless and she actually threw it out. She also said that she and her husband had lived there for 23 years. And they have only heard from the watcher once in the whole 23 years, which is crazy. But Derek and Maria couldn't shake their fear that they were being watched. And to that, I say, same. Because I couldn't live in fear every single day. That would just scare me. I wouldn't feel safe. The second letter from the watcher arrived two weeks later after the first. This time, it was addressed to the Broduses by name, and they listed their three children by their nicknames. mm See, that's not good, because someone is hardcore watching, y'all. The watcher also mentioned, mentioned an easel, that one of their daughters had set up on a porch only visible from the side or the rear of the house asking is she the artist in the family and I read um nobody like no bypassers could see this porch and stuff like that so it was very weird Additionally, the second letter made more oblique references to something hidden in the walls of the house and thanked the Broduses for bringing more young blood. After getting a second letter, Derek and Maria began to feel panicked and edgy around all of their new neighbors who they saw as potential stalkers, which makes sense. They put their renovations on hold and stopped taking their kids to the house. A third letter arrived a couple weeks later. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Deeply troubled by the letters, the Brotuses continued to reach out to the Westfield police and Detect- Detective Leonardo Lugo led the investigation for a time Lugo suspected their next door neighbor, Michael Langford, who had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. However, DNA found on one of the envelopes indicated that a woman had that a woman had sealed sealed the letters with her saliva. And the sample didn't match anyone in the Lang, Langford home. Furthermore, Michael Langford denied any involvement and his family backed him up saying there was no way he would write such threatening notes. And they tried to pinpoint this a lot on the Langford the Langford family. Um, but they lived... They lived in that house since childhood. The mom was like, I I believe she was in her 90s and all of her children lived with her and stuff like that. Um, Newcomers, like neighbors said that Michael did kind of like creep out like the new neighbors and stuff, but it wasn't him. And they tried to really pinpoint it on them for a long time. Until they finally had to drop it. You don't have DNA or anything to, you know, match it to. So it couldn't have been them. Desperate for answers, the Broduses enlisted a slew of experts to investigate. Derek reached out to a real-life FBI agent who inspired the character of Clarice Starling in Silence of the Lambs whom he was on a school board of trustees. The Brotuses also taped former FBI agent Robert Lynch to do a threat assessment on the letters. His analysts showed that the writer was likely an older person based on vocabulary and their habit of double spacing after a period Lehan concluded that the letter writer didn't appear overtly threatening, but their obviously erratic thoughts could suggest unpredictability. They also hired a security firm. Cruel to look for handwriting matches to the envelopes, but nothing emerged. Still determined to get answers, the family hired a forensic linguistic informer of the band shanana robert leonard to scour local forums for language patterns that resembled the mysterious watchers notes but all these efforts came to nothing despite assembling an incredible investigation team the Broduses had no answers. At the end of the day, it came down to what are you willing to risk? Maria Brodus said, we weren't going to put our kids in harm's way. Finally, six months after the first letter arrived, Derek and Maria put the house back up on the market, asking for a bit more than they had paid as they assumed their renovations would raise the value. However, they disclosed the bizarre watcher letters to potential buyers. All offers fell through later. In 2015, the the Broaddus's filed that suit against the Woods family for not disclosing to them that the letter had been received from the watcher before the sale. In 2017, a New Jersey judge threw out the suit saying it could set an unreasonable precedent for what sellers would have to disclose. Meanwhile, some in the community be- community began to wonder if the Brotuses weren't sending the letters to themselves in order to get out of a house that they couldn't afford. As one resident told Gothamist, how can a couple with a three hundred thousand house in Scotch Plains in a hundred and seventy five thousand dollar mortgage ten years ago have a one point one million mortgage? In twenty sixteen the Broduses made a brief effort to have the house torn down and redevelop the lot, so they wanted to tear it down, and I think they wanted to make two separate homes and rent them out. But their plans weren't approved, and the neighbors weren't having it. But a final letter from the watcher arrived, threatening to exact revenge exact revenge on them if they harmed the house. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that seems to never go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Make a mysterious death of a pet happen. Loved ones suddenly die. It went on to say, you wonder who the Watcher is. Turn around, idiots. So if it wasn't the Langfords, then who watched the house all of them years? It makes you wonder, right? After years of the house being on the market, the Watcher house finally sold in 2019, with the Broadduses taking a $440,000 loss. As far as theories that the Broadduses fake the Watcher, Derek Brotus flatly denies them, As he told the cut, this person attacked my family and where I'm from where I'm from, if you do that, then you get your butt beat. It didn't say butt. It said the other word, but I'm doing so good on not swearing. I just didn't want to swear, so I switched the words. There is a silver lining for the family, however. According to Dateline, Netflix bought the rights to their creepy, creepy tale in 2019. Oh, and I forgot to put these, um, extra letters that I found that I didn't find on the first one. Um, the watcher said to them that the children should be afraid to play in the basement because it's so isolated. And the watcher also wanted to know who would be sleeping in the bedrooms facing the street. And the watcher claimed that once they moved in, it would help him know who was in which bedroom. Quote, then I can plan better. Like, no, that's just weird. The watcher also claimed that he was, they were very, I can't even say he, The watcher claimed that they were very familiar with the home. Saying that they ran from room to room imagining life with rich occupants there. And everything like that. And he would always bring up... Like when they were doing the renovations... Like obviously he saw the contractors, right? And he would ask, did they find what's in the walls? Did they find what's in the walls? But I... Read somewhere that they, like, looked in the walls through whatever, like, a de- whatever they detected and everything. But they couldn't find anything. And what's the deal with the young blood? I I don't get it. Like, maybe he's a serial killer and everything like that. Guys, I, I have no idea. But, um, neighbors do think it might be a hoax that, I keep hearing something and it's freaking me out, but neighbors do believe that the Broduses made the whole thing up and stuff like that, that it was all fake because it was so weird, like, they're like, what? But I also read the watchers told them that everybody in the community follows this thing to a T. So, who knows? Um, Contractors said there was this, like, one couple who would sit out in their backyard and watch 657 Boulevard. So, I don't know what's going on about that. But if it wasn't the Langfords who was it and why do you guys feel like you have to watch this house and why have you been watching it for like decades i think it said like two decades or whatever like what but guys that is the story of the watcher house and it's pretty creepy i'm not gonna lie to y'all that's pretty creepy um the case the next case we're gonna be do, we're gonna go back to our murder Um, when I woke up last night at 2, I was scrolling through Facebook, and a case popped up of, um, Tyler Hindley, and I read it all, and it, it, I've heard the case once, and everything, and I'm like, huh, this would be a good case to do. So, that's gonna be our next case, and that's gonna be up Wednesday. Um, thank you guys for your support review subscribe to my podcast say hello send me an email or a case you want to do and my email is justagirlandtruecrime at gmail.com you can follow me on instagram at justagirlandtruecrime you can also follow my facebook page at justagirlandtruecrime and I think that's it 28 minutes, okay, a little shorter than I anticipated, but hey, that's alright, I might fall asleep, it's almost midnight, well, it's 11.30, not almost midnight, so, you know, that's it guys, and I hope you enjoyed that story, and I'll be talking to you Wednesday, bye!